1: He put that work in the gym Now he's bringing that intelligent perspective That takes you above the rim From the PG saw the whole court Now he plays the sideline to observe a report Bringing nothing but fresh interviews While discussing high school, college, and NBA news So So sit back and listen, you will never forget Because the Off The Glass Podcast is coming up next So sit back and listen, you will never forget Because the Off The Glass Podcast is coming up next So sit back and listen, you will never forget Because the Off The Glass Podcast is coming up next Welcome to the Off The Glass Podcast. This is your host, Z, fan of no team, but a love of basketball. Thanks for joining me today on today's show. We here in the shy, We snowed in, so I figured why not do a podcast? I'm excited because I haven't done one with a guest in a while. I'm bringing back one of my very good friends, high school friend, college teammate slash roommate, the best hands I've ever played with, caught everything I threw at him, no other than Marcus Jackson. How you doing today, Marcus?
2: Man, I'm good,
1: man. How you feel, dude? I'm chilling, man. We got about what? Got, got a few, as a bro man Say a few snow out there. A few snow <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but... I, um, It ain't
2: that bad.
1: No, it's not that bad. I mean, you know, I, I trip out at some of the reactions. People act like we don't live in Chicago. Everybody's yeah. confused. like Like, we live in Hawaii. Like, we don't get snow because we've been so spoiled the last few years with these seasonably warm winters. But, you know, a little snow ain't too Mm -hmm. bad. A little snow ain't too bad. No, not at all. So before we get into the show real quick, just kind of wanted to recap last night's action. Um, The Nets continued a hot play. They beat the Magic 117 to 115. D'Angelo Russell finished with 40 points. Another strong performance from Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, Just shows you real quick with Brooklyn, man, how you have a good culture over there and the player can thrive. Because it's almost like D'Angelo Russell... Is everything we thought he was going to be coming out. Um, the Spurs were able to outlast the Timberwolves. And then in the nightcap, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins was back. And um, before coming on, I asked you if you saw him play and you asked me how he did. Bro, it looks unfair, man. He looks good, Hey, can, man. We,
2: can we stop calling them the Warriors, man? <laughs> what this you want to the call USA, them? <laughs> this is the USA basketball team,
1: man. I mean, and he started. <laughs> Steve Kerr didn't even mess around. He started last night. He finished with, I want to say 14 points, three for four from three. His first basket was a pick and roll. Think about this. A pick and roll with Kevin Durant diving to the basket. And footers. It, yeah, two seven-footers from the running and pick and roll. And then he dunked it. I mean, I mean, dunked it. Looks in incredible shape, looked really slim. And um, not gonna criticize them again, as I just told you, stated before we came on. Everybody had the opportunity to to sign Cousins, so if you're complaining, shut up. Stop your whining. Yep. Everybody wanted to sign, could have signed him, but everybody felt like he was untouchable because of the attitude. And a credit to him, you know, I don't want to give the Warriors all the credit because in my personal opinion, I thought last year when he joined Davis and they started to jail, I thought he's kind of matured then. I thought that was kind mm-hmm. of already the start of it last year. He looked very comfortable. And sometimes you just need to be in an environment – playing with other great players that's not... I mean, New Orleans ain't the greatest franchise, but it's a far cry from the dysfunction he experienced in Sacramento. So, you know, you know, maybe it was new change of scenery for him, but again, they looked scary last night. I'm um, looking at the standings after they just put a beat down on um, Denver. Uh, Golden State's back in first, and they're actually 9-1 and one in their last 10. So they're starting to hit their stride, and it looks scary. I
2: mean... Let's just just have a ring ceremony now, man.
1: Yeah, I was getting ready to ask you. Like, I mean, we were all, you know, and I I wouldn't put myself in that camp, but, you know, NBA Twitter, social media, everybody was kind of up in arms about Golden State. Was you worried about Golden State, or you just thought maybe it was the monotony of the season, maybe they were a little bit tired? Yeah,
2: they're they're bored, man. I mean, think about the Bulls, you know, that's, that's, that's like our era that we watched in. That we was kind of raised on, the Bulls got bored too, you know. When you just eating the brakes off everybody, and you got this new toy that you can't <laughs> play with for a while, and you know it's like, all right, once once we get the markets, then you know we'll start revving it up, and it's it's not fair. It's not going to be fair right now.
1: No, it's not. And you know, you read the blog post I I wrote. Well, got lost in this, they're on track to still have one of the greatest offensive seasons ever, even without Cousins. And I have written about yeah. how Curry and Durant are both averaging over 28 points a game. And there was only yeah. one other duel to do that, and that was, you know, Jerry West and Elgin Baylor. What did you think about that? Because I, I, a lot of people are not even realizing because they're doing all this complaining, but these guys are still putting up historic numbers and doing historic things
2: and and you you keyed on it what's getting lost is that um Clay is having a best season that he that he's had like his numbers are up this year. Yep. Like his numbers aren't down, you know. Clay is still scoring the ball. Um I mean they got they got guys that can go for 40 points any given night. Yeah. It's, it's like is- pick your poison. It's it's scary. I don't know what. I don't I don't even know if they're going to lose a game in the playoff.
1: You know what? I thought the same thing, bro. Like I, I thought the same thing because the offense is just is incredible. And if they if Draymond can get back to where Draymond was, uh quarterback in the defense, if they can get some stuff out of Eagle Dollar and Livingston and those guys coming off the bench, and now you throw cousins out there. I just don't see how how you uh beat them. But real quick before we switch gears to our uh our subject today, did you see Will Chamberlain's stats, bro, at 35? I put in the article.
2: It's got to be a typo, man. He, I'm convinced.
1: Twenty five hundred. Yeah, twenty two points and twenty rebounds at thirty five. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's we and we're gonna bring up Will again because today's topic, you know, we might as well just we're gonna transition right into it. This is we got to mm-hmm. talk about this offensive historic performance uh, that James Harden is on right now at this stretch. I pulled up wow. some of the numbers, bro. It's he's averaging. Over 40 points in his last – I stopped at like 13 games. So, in the Mm -hmm. last 13 games, he's playing almost 40 minutes a game. He's shooting uh, 14 threes, making six. 40 points, (laughs) nine assists. No, I don't want to be a snubber. 9.6 assists, 6.8 rebounds. And in several games, he has attempted threes. He's attempted 23, 19 twice. And he has 13 games where he has attempted over 15 threes a game. And in most of them, he's shooting in the 40s. He has a couple games where he shot like 29 and like 32. But for the most part, he's shooting almost 41% during this stretch. Your words for to try to describe what we're seeing right now. What, what is your take on this? Phenomenal. Absolutely
2: phenomenal. But I don't want to come off as a hater is just... I don't like that everyone gets, everyone's a prisoner of the moment, you Mm. know, and everyone is like, and don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, you should, you should enjoy these times, you know, you should enjoy and, you know, show respect when guys just go off on tears like this, because this does not happen every season. It doesn't. No. So what he's doing is phenomenal, but we are prisoners of the moment. And you have to keep things in perspective that he's not the first, he's not the first guy to score the ball at a high clip like this. You know, and we just we just get consumed by the greatness of the moment and we forget. I mean, we we forget that this league has seen some elite scores. You know, even when Chris Paul made that comment that James Harden is the best score or the greatest score of all time, you know, I just kind of laugh, you know, <laughs> it's like, because Chris Paul is, is a, he's an intelligent guy, you know, and I'm sure he understands the history of this league. And, you know, I can, I can name a few guys that Harden can't score the ball. Like, you know, and I don't have to go 10, 20, 30 years, you know? So I just think we're prisoners of the moment, but what he's doing is phenomenal. It's off the charts.
1: I'll say this too, and this is where I'm going to use perspective and give him credit. I think when it's all said and done, he's going to be on a very short list of all-time great scores. And what I mean is, it's going to be a list that consists of Kevin Durant, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, um... Alan Iverson, Jerry West, Jerry West, George Gervin. But I think he gets credited for creating a move. And I think it's going to bump him up a little bit higher. Like when you could transcend the game yeah. and create something that nobody's done. So like Dirk's one-legged fadeaway. I yeah. even argue Steph Curry shooting from as far as he is. That's, that's a mm-hmm. weapon within itself. But him in this step back. And, again, I'm not here to argue whether it's a travel or not. I'm actually kind of tired of this whole, you know, is it a travel (laughs) argument or not. Based on the way the game is refereed now in the NBA, which most people don't seem to understand anyway, that the rules are not the same as high school and college. They're not. They're more close and mirror FIBA a little bit. But it's Mm -hmm. not a travel. And the fact that he was able to take this and create it and then be able to shoot a high percentage of these, and then shoot it at a high percentage as far as his makes. I mean, those are anybody that plays basketball trying to shoot a regular step back, let alone the one that he's doing, and being a lefty, because I'm a lefty, and being able to go to his left and do it. Go to That's tough. That's incredible. So that's for, for those of you guys that, you know, trying to picture what we're saying, see, Marcus is a righty. So for him, it's natural Going for him to go to left. Because his body's already squared. He's pushing off. For me, it's natural to go to my right so I can push off my left foot. If you're a righty, you're pushing off your right foot. But to go to your weak side and weak hand, your body is not even naturally squared up. So as you're stepping back, you have to have the leg strength and the coordination to be able to square your shoulders to even have a shot at making that shot. You know, I remember when we had the trainer that one summer and we was working on those. I don't think I made any like the first few weeks we was doing that. Going to my yes. left. It's a very hard but shot. I'm
2: glad you I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up and not to throw any shade or to even give any type of hint that I think I'm on that level or ever been on that level. But when you when you train, I know when I trained, whatever I did going one way, I wanted to be able to do it going both ways. Mm. Why is so, that important, so, you think? Uh well you know what I I heard Darius Miles say something about um he was describing Kobe Kobe Bryant and he said Kobe had a counter for your counter as a defender mm. so I felt like if the if the, if the defense knew I could do a certain move going left you know how he everybody talks about LeBron if he's going left he's uh he's gonna shoot the pull up or the step back if yep. he goes right he's gonna go all the way yeah so even before I heard that, I would always practice the same move going each direction, mm-hmm. so that you know um the defender, which wasn't on a n b a level, obviously because I didn't play in the, in the n b a but whatever I did going one way, I wanted to be able to go both directions, so mm-hmm. yes, it, it is impressive that he makes that that shot um and it's not, you know, the, the natural comfort for a lefty, but the guys on that level, he's a, he's a freak athlete, you know, yep. he's obviously, yep. so him making that, um, it's, it, it's more so that he's doing it every night with regularity, right? And he's doing it with a hand in the face. And the majority of the time, whoever's defending him, is probably two to three inches taller. Yep. And. He's got another guy that's probably maybe four feet away from that guy loading up on him, making sure that he doesn't drive, and it's like he's in the gym by himself. So that's, to me, that's what makes that so phenomenal. Like, dude, this man is he's shooting at a, high, a pretty high percentage because, you know, when you consider defense and, uh, you know, fatigue, to be able to shoot over 40% every night,
1: And that's It's it's, unreal. It's unreal. And I got a whole bunch of guys opened up right now on basketball reference. You mentioned Jerry West. I'm kind of I thought his numbers would have been a little bit higher, but his highest season scoring was like 31.3. So obviously no three pointers, but if you look at him shooting jump shots, he shot almost 50% for his career. And then his playoff average is even more silly. Um, When you look at it, I'm trying to pull it up real quick. Um, His playoff average, because he gets the nickname Mr. Clutch, which is funny within itself because he lost in um, (laughs) just about every final. final. Yeah, but he has a season in the final, in the playoffs where he averaged 40. Like he averaged 40 with no no three point line. Um, Somebody else we talked about, I'm looking at George Girvin, who. I thought his averages would have been higher. When you really uh, look at the numbers, um,
2: it's taking a while to load. But you got to you got to take in consideration the defense, the rules, no three point line, no knock to what Harden did. Harden, I looked it up. Harden has averaged um, he's averaged over twenty five a game seven times in his career. All right, so that shows right now that he's an elite. He's an elite scorer right over seven 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 seasons he's averaged over 25 a game this being the second year he's two years of those he's averaged over 30. this year he's averaging like 35.4 now you take somebody like jerry west jerry yeah. west averaged 25 or more 11 seasons that's incredible man and and he averaged over thirty four times so when you when you call somebody like James Harden and say, oh, he's the best scorer of all times, it's guys who've done what he's doing right now. Man, if you look up Jordan, Jordan was a 10-time scoring champ.
1: I got it open right now. I, so what I did was, because I love basketball reference, you could block off stuff. Mm-hmm. So I picked a block from 86-87 from, uh, season, which is like mm-hmm. the most absurd season in – in history because of what he was doing on both ends of the floor. And that's why, again, I love having people like you on. Because we're going to have to have this total perspective conversation.
2: You got to have perspective, man.
1: Jordan was averaging no, almost three steals during this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he was averaging. So during this time, so this is the season. Okay, he goes 37 35, 32, 33. He's barely attempting one three. Like, barely. It's like he's not even some seasons attempting the full three. He's averaging mm-hmm. in three straight years, he averaged 40 minutes, and then in the last year, 90, he averaged 39. He Crazy. was getting to the free throw line. It was 11, 10, 9, and 8. So it kind of went down a little bit. He was still getting you five-plus rebounds and almost five assists. The one year he averaged thirty five, he was at five and a half rebounds, almost six assists, three point two steals, one point six blocks. Crazy. And then the one year Crazy. he was at eight rebounds, eight assists, two point nine steals, averaging thirty two a game.
2: So I mean, look, <laughs> it's, it's no not to Harden, but let's let's be let's be honest. He's playing one end of the floor. Yeah. Right. Right. He's playing one, and I, I'm. Don't get I'm not discrediting what he's doing because you got to put the ball in the basket. Right. But Jordan, the same energy that he had on offense, he had that same energy on defense.
1: Now, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up. I wanted to ask you this. I always forget to ask you this. Bill Simmons makes a good point. And I want to see what you think about this because I kind of tend to agree a little bit. I would argue with him that it was easier to play defense back then from this standpoint The court wasn't that spread out. It was a lot more isolation because of the way the rules were. You had to be within arm's distance of your man. And you didn't have to track three-point shooters. So you wasn't running all over the court because now we can track how many miles these guys is running. So to his point, some of these guys could be kind of conserving themselves on defense a little bit because it's a little bit harder to play defense because you got to make so many more rotations to get the threes, to get the three-point shooters. You think that's a, a partial factor, or are you still saying, hey, Jordan still had a little bit more of a commitment on the other
2: end? Alternative fact, man. Okay. Alternative fact. Because see now that that's about perspective. And it's hard to disagree with him because, you know, he's using valid arguments. Right. My argument my argument would be that guys aren't playing defense now because um, they're getting quicker shots. Mm. They're not going. They're not going late into the shot clock. So Harden may come down. What? No one was coming down pulling up for three. No. In the eighties and nineties. No. You know, I mean, it's Harden. like watching a totally different
1: game when you watch it on NBA TV. I mean, it, it doesn't even look like they're playing the same sport.
2: Yeah. So, so you have to consider these guys are playing twenty to twenty-four seconds in that. Shot. And that shot clock. Where now, guy may come down. The game is so fast. Ball's going up. It's sixteen on the shot clock. Mm-hmm. You know. So mm-hmm. did did you play defense? I mean. So I mean, I, I get what he's saying, but to to say that um, guys really weren't playing defense, I totally disagree. Okay. I have I have I have to disagree. I get what he's saying, but um, the ball was being moved. Um And now, what I will say now is tougher for guards because this is a pick and roll game. Yeah, so and guard, it's, man. And as somebody that played
1: point guard, I couldn't even imagine because this kind of basketball was kind of coming into vogue as we was, well, at least when I was finishing up my playing career, mm-hmm. to have to fight over or get hit by that many picks, and then say, okay, bro, we want you to go on the other end as well. And run pick and roll, run your team and still play good defense. It is kind of tough. It's not even yep. making excuses. I just think to the perspective part, like it's kind of tough. It's not what people think it
2: is. What do you think will be the easiest way to defend guards right now? Oh. With like this being because I I got an idea because I heard Scotty Kippen say it and it makes so much sense. But I want to I wanna hear your perspective on that.
1: I would mix it up. I would pick them up full court a little bit, but I don't want to do it the whole game because I don't want to wear myself down. Um, and then I would I would take one of their sides away. Because mm-hmm. I seen what, what you're talking about. Him and Tracy McGrady was talking about how you would defend James Harden and some of the stuff Pippen was saying. I was just like, all right, bro, yep. it's not the 90s. But, <laughs> but some of the stuff he was saying, though, I agree with. And I always yeah. go to this story because this is when I finally realized that Although a very good player, I wasn't an NBA player, and it was when I got mm-hmm. to play against Gilbert Arenas when he was still Gilbert Arenas. Yep. Like I was there, and I, I will always tell this story. And what I did was, I said he can do everything exceptional, like everything exceptional. And then, and then I think initially when he, I remember because you you play long enough, you could tell certain things. I think he came out like, I'm just going to work on some stuff and kind of mess around. (laughs) But then I was really taking the challenge. Like, no, I'm about to really guard this dude. Like, I'm not going to back down. I'm going to really guard him. So what I did was I took his right hand. I took, believe it or not, I took his left hand away because he Mm -hmm. used to actually like to go left. Believe it or not, to come back to finish right or to get to his jump shot. So I took Mm -hmm. his left away and was making him go right and then plan to my help as much as I could. Now he still had like 20-some points. But the point being was I had to take something away. And he wasn't using pick and roll, so I couldn't even imagine trying to guard him doing that. But uh, just on a one-on-one type thing, I had to take something away from him. And that's exactly what I did. And I think that's what Pippen was saying too. You got to take something away. You can't just let him – be able to square up and just dance with you. He's too comfortable. He's too comfortable. Yeah. And it could be That's done. Funny. If you commit yourself, it can be done because I disagree. Um, we played when there was no hand checking, when we was playing those NBA mm-hmm. rules. So I couldn't touch Gilbert Arenas. But I had to really mm-hmm. sit down and be disciplined and, and move uh, move, move my feet, you know. So I always harp back to that story because that experience showed me one of two things, how really good these guys are. And how, even if you take something away, how they're still able to be exceptional with the ball.
2: Yep. So... Yes, I, I totally agree. I was going to say that. I, I feel like your best bet is to pick him up full court. And it's going to take multiple bodies. Because um, if you just let him come up, you know, come up the court and he's comfortable, when he catches that ball, he is too elite of a score and he's a good foul shooter too. So it's yep. not like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a rough him up. And no, he, the man shooting a high percentage from the free throw line. So you're not going to win that battle. But I think if you wear him down, pick him up and have, you got to be ready to have multiple bodies. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it remains to be seen. If he could sustain scoring like this, you know, at this level, if, if defenses, um, adjust, like, their schemes and their strategies.
1: Yep. I agree. And to your point, far as pace, everybody has a pace over 100. Like wow. er- Everybody's – I'm trying to pull it up to see the exact numbers, but I'm looking at it. Like, everybody's pace – I think the lowest is, like, 105 or something, and that might be Memphis, even with – or Denver, because they slow up to play with uh, – to wait for Jokic. But other than that, mm-hmm. everybody's still over a 100. I think the lows is like one hundred five, one hundred three. Yeah, Memphis is one hundred three. So you're talking about, as to your point, the amount of shots that they're getting up, the speed that they're playing with, is something that's just on a whole. You can't even really quantify uh, right. some of these numbers. Just like, just for for giggles, I pulled up. Hopefully it loads, but I'm pulling up Will Chamberlain stats because again, like if we're talking like the greatest ever. Like, how can we not discuss this? Like, how can
2: we not discuss
1: this? Yep.
2: Hey, why don't people consider Kareem?
1: You know what? I was going to get to that next. I don't know. (laughs) All right, just for... And I'll pull up Kareem next. Uh Uh-huh. This is Wilt's first... uh, What's this? One, two... Three, four, five, six, 7, 8, 9, 10. First, like, almost 11 seasons. 37, 38, 50, 44,
2: 36, 34, 38, 30, 33. Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> then hey, his rebounds those years. I, he, I was just going to get you. Bro, his ass. lowest oh was
1: 22 a game. 27, 27-2, 25-7, 24-3, 22-3, 9 23-5, 3 24-6. I mean, come on, bro. Like, again, as I say all the time, I don't care what area you – that. like, how can he not get mentioned? Like, that's crazy. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, and he, um, he took a dip in his stats. The next year, he was averaging 24 points and 24 – <laughs> yeah, he took a dip
1: I kind of fell off a little bit Wasn't playing as hard Yeah,
2: just that's a, that's a little bit
1: While getting you 7.8 assists But see, I think Wilt gets remembered how he does Because I always at, had an argument that him and Shaq underachieved For how dominant they were I always ask people how many rings did Wilt have People can't even really tell you that and then I, so, when I tell them they only won two, they look at me like I'm crazy. Like, yeah, nah, he only mm-hmm. won two championships. Yep. He, he did not win like that. But Will would do stuff like he'll sacrifice his offense on purpose just so he can get an assist to lead the league in assists. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he used to do that kind of stuff. But, no, back to um, Kareem. What, what's your
2: take on Kareem? See, when, when we talk about the GOAT, I have two people that I mention every single time. I say Jordan and Kareem. Yep. Because I don't I don't have a clear cut because um I got a chance to watch Jordan. I witnessed Jordan. But I cannot deny the body of work that Kareem has. The yep. man is the all-time leading scorer. Yep. In the history of the game. In the history, I think he has, what, six rings? Is six that right? rings, six league MVPs. I mean, like, really? Yep. The man was a phenomenal scorer. I think Kareem, because I had looked it up too, um, he had 10 seasons where he averaged over 25 a game. Four <laughs> seasons over 30. <laughs> and you telling me this man is not even mentioned to be the GOAT? He never gets brought up. I'm always thoroughly confused. That's insane. I'm That's always insane. thoroughly
1: confused. I think some of the That's arguments I do here is that um, that Lakers team really didn't take off until Magic got there. But then I would say, well, so Magic gets credited for being one of the all-time greats and possibly even the GOAT, but Kareem doesn't? Like, to me, that yeah. argument doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't At make it, it doesn't hold water to me. I'm always thoroughly confused. It holds it holds no people water. People say to that
2: people say Jordan Jordan wasn't great until Scotty got there, but he was great. He was great,
1: but he didn't become a champion. Which is to me two right. totally different arguments. Because to be honest, right. the piece that even gets missing with Harden, I'm sorry, like until he does this in the playoffs, which all these other great scores have done, I can't put him as the all time great. Leading score, Like, I can't... Mm-hmm. What is his defining scoring moment in a playoff series? I don't know. He doesn't have it. Yeah. And this is part of the problem. I think this year... I don't even think it's going to be his fault if he gets there and runs out of gas. Because he had to do so much heavy lifting just to get them... Like, they're currently six. With no Chris Paul. How bad is that contract? No Clint Capella. You already jettisoned Mello. I mean... Who did they just sign? I just saw it. Can they trying to sign Kenneth, Kenneth Fareed, but I mean, I don't know how much that moves the needle. Um so for him to have to do all that he's doing, I mean, he just had 58 and 57. Like it's I don't want to seem like we're underscoring to the people listening what he's doing. I guess we're just trying to say that there were other players that came before him that had done this at high levels and high stretches and did it and did it just as efficient. I think the difference yeah. is obviously the three-point shooting. like you can't you can't even quantify that because he's actually shooting so many and then making a high mm-hmm. percentage. Um, but I mean, we didn't even talk about Kobe. Uh, we didn't talk about AI. I'm looking at Kobe. Kobe has won. 12
2: seasons over 25 a game.
1: That's incredible.: Quill. incredible.
2: And then the one year
1: he averaged 35 and then followed Mm -hmm. up with 31. Now that's kind of a comparable comparison. Kobe never took more than
2: no, Kobe took a lot of shots. I'm talking
1: about his threes. He only took 6.5. That was the year he averaged 35. That's his highest. Everything Mm -hmm. else he's around at his peak. He's in the fours to low fives. Mm Mm-hmm. So he's not even even his last year. he hardly played. he's still average 17. But that's incredible. like that Yo. so uh, again, um, this social media area is so dangerous, bro. like it's so dangerous because we get so excited and we you I'm, get
2: caught in the moment and and you think whatever you're experiencing now is the best thing. It's like, oh man, Kevin Hart, he hot right now. He the 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 best ever. And you forget about Eddie. You forget about Pryor. You forget about people who was hot. You forget about like, man, if Chris Tucker don't take a break, he was the hottest thing out making movie after movie after movie. And it's like you just become a prisoner of that moment. And it's okay to appreciate people and give them their due, their just due. But keep it all in perspective. And you have to know that whatever's been being done now has been done before. nothing new under the sun, man.
1: Nothing new. I looked at Iverson. He played 15 seasons, 11 of them. He's over 25. His highest was 31 back-to-back seasons. Yep.
0: Four-time
2: scoring champ. Yep. The
1: years he averaged, 26, 31, 31, and 30,
2: the years he wanted. Hey, at a very generous six feet.
1: I I don't even think he's that tall. I'm going to say he's 5'11". Man. I saw when he came to IIT that one year when the pro-am was still the pro-am. And yes. I think he had like 45 and didn't tie his shoes up. Like, I'm not even trying to say that to make the story <laughs> sound cooler. Like, no, nah, he literally did not tie his shoes up. But when you see him in person, if he stretches out his arms, he's 6'5". Yes. His arms literally hang down to his knees. He has the biggest hands. I'm even looking at the minutes, that, the years that he played. 41-40. 42 43 42 42 42 43 42 42 42 41 this is all back-to-back years
2: hey and can we consider one other thing that people don't talk about this this brand of basketball james harden the ball is in his hands pretty much the whole game yeah when he when he's in the game, the ball's in his hand.
1: He has one like of the all time uh usage rates right now, and that's like what you were saying though too, when you was like, what's affecting basketball overall, and you called it the lebron James harden effect like what did you mean by that when you was talking about that?
2: Well, just think about it uh when we grew up watching basketball, we wanted to mimic the guys that we watched and I mean, even though it was kind of far-fetched, but you just mimic the brand of basketball. Um, so, you know, Jordan, he was he got to the line, you know. So you, you wanted to be an aggressive scorer. You wanted to get to the line, you know. You wanted to shoot the mid-range. So mid-range was very popular, you know, coming up. You wanted to do what those guys did. Uh, LeBron and Harden, they have the ball in their hands so much. And the offense revolves around them. And it's just like, hey, I'm going to get guys to keep the floor spread. Nothing wrong with that. It's smart because these guys are exceptional players and they are exceptional playmakers. So I get it. But to to those that are watching and that that are, you know, being kind of spoon-fed is basketball, they get consumed with thinking that this is how I have to play. And Mm -hmm. they forget how to move without the ball. They forget how to, you know, if a guy's overplaying me when I'm trying to get the ball to backdoor, you know, those simple things. And it's like, you know, we coach and I deal with kids who, if they don't have the ball in their hands, they're lost. They don't know what to do. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's the LeBron, LeBron James and James Harden. And I say, Hey, everybody's not as talented as James Harden and LeBron. So, you know, you gotta realize you're probably gonna be like those other guys. So you have to do other things.
1: Yeah. And the person we talked about that was Dwayne Wade, who's in the last year of a Hall of Fame career. And mm-hmm. his ability to play without the ball is the reason why it worked in Miami. Cause if he's yep. not able to play off the ball, it doesn't work because there was no way in the world him and LeBron was gonna be able to both dominate the ball. I'm looking at his stats. He had one, two, three, four. Five. He only had five seasons at only over 25. But to me, he was such a complete player in a lot of ways. People going to say he couldn't shoot the three like that, but I think of this generation, in my personal opinion, I just think even more so than Kobe, because even though Kobe gets defensive player of the year, like first team, like 14 seasons, like six of them was garbage. It was just kind of just grandfathering, <laughs> man. You know, like seriously. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And and people are gonna think I'm crazy, but for my for my buck, I don't know, I was just a huge Dwayne Wade fan. I like Pete Dwayne Wade a little bit more than Kobe Bryant. As crazy as that sounds, like that's just that's just the way I saw it. I, I enjoy yeah. watching Dwayne Wade play, man. I mean, just the way he moved without the ball, his his IQ. And you go back and you watch like sometimes they'll throw like a Marquette game on. I was like, wow, this dude was so incredible. And he was so efficient. I think that's what Ooh, yeah. it was at an early age. And that's one of my knocks with Kobe. I wasn't a big Kobe guy like that. I didn't feel like he was efficient.
0: And I didn't Ooh. feel like
1: with those Laker teams, he. I didn't think he rolled Bynum and Gasol enough sometimes. I felt like he shot them out of a lot of games some nights. And that doesn't hate on his greatness, and I'm not at practice, but that's just the way I saw it. And then even recently, I had this weird – channel youtube tv is like the olympic channel and it was showing like the whole day like one day all the games from that uh time they was in china so it was like Kobe, lebron jason Kidd, young dwight howard like darren williams was on that team chris paul boozer michael red and i was watching Dwayne Wade way play bro like without the ball it's just if I was to show kids how to play without the ball, I would just show lane Wade footage because his back sure. cuts, the way he sets his man up. Even somebody like Steph Curry, I was thinking about this last night. I don't want to get off on a tangent too much, but just watching some of these guys because we look at how far they shoot. But I don't think we really study the little things. It was a play yesterday where it was a, a pin down screen for Steph. And the way he set up Avery Bradley, who's a, a really good defender, like, a really good defender at the guard position. But the way he was setting him up to come off this screen, was it was beautiful to be able to come off right, set his feet, and knock the shot down. Like, those are the kind of things to me that gets lost when we talk about how great, like, the greats are. It's always the numbers and the scoring, but it's that kind of attention to detail that even, you know, Kobe had, Dwayne Wade, uh LeBron James, you know, the Steph Currys that I think it's overlooked and gets lost in translation a lot.
2: Mm-hmm. Man, you so right about that. And the guys like Steph and D Wade, it's not like there's no scouting report on these guys,
1: <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not like they go into an open gym in a place they've never been to mm-hmm. and the guy don't know your name. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? These, the scouting report, you know, is all about these guys and they're still, but see, they, they understand the little detailed things of the game and they perfect the basics. They perfect the fundamentals of the game and they make it look effortless. And yep. it's really not fair to fans because you see, you see them making these shots and it looks so effortless, but you don't see the time that they, that they put into their craft to perfect this, to perfect these things, to, you know, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of building up your your, your basketball IQ to understand how to get open. Man, that's that's an art. It's a, it's it's a art. huge
1: art. It's a huge heart. Uh, I wanted to uh, uh not heart art, excuse me. Uh, it's a, a huge art. I wanted to before we put a bow on this, our last closing thoughts with the the scoring thing. I should have asked you to do this. It just hit me. If you had to make a list. And I don't even say ranking in order. Um, who are some of those scores that you think is going to go down? Is you know, if you had to come up with, it, I'll say five guys. Who are five guys for you in no particular order? When you think of somebody that could just score the ball,
2: Jordan, Kobe, uh, KD. Um, I I think I will put Harden in there. And I would say my last two, I would say AI and Steph. So it's interesting. Nope. You
1: could almost divide it by position. It's almost it's interesting because you picked all guys who handle the ball, which I kind of yeah. agree with because I feel like in a lot of ways when it comes to scoring, Kareem, Wilt, Akeem Olajuwon, Shaq, it's a different type of way they're scoring the ball. So to right. me, it's almost like separate within itself. Um, but mm-hmm. for me, I agree with that list. I would add uh peak Larry Bird. Mm-hmm. Um Peak Dirk Nowitzki. Um, I'm just throwing some other names. I thought Paul Pierce was one of the more efficient guys. Not oh, a oh
2: man. Not a crazy a, a, yeah, not a crazy athlete
1: as far as how we judge athleticism usually. Um but again, all these guys had all that kind of stuff in common. Very solid fundamentals, very good footwork. Um mm-hmm. Paul Pierce was another one that used to like to go right to shoot pull ups, like to shoot step backs, like he did that extremely well too.
2: But when you talk about guys that you study because you wanna, you know, emulate your game after somebody, and it's funny that I, I will even forget Paul Pierce but that's that's a guy that I watch. A lot of film on just to see how because he wasn't like he was athletic enough but mm-hmm. he wasn't like a super athlete right you know and he wasn't like the fastest guy right but he was so crafty yep. and he had a method to his madness to how he got open Yeah. take you one way yep. you know get you to lean and he played those angles man and he just did he actually did whatever he wanted to offensively man
1: no, he did. You know, you know, I remember the duel with him and LeBron when it the last year that LeBron was in Cleveland in that Game Seven. It was a phenomenal game. It was just back and forth, high level of skill or just scoring the ball. But I think when it's all said and done, personally, I think to me the people that's going to really affect the list, I think for my for my for my money, is going to be Steph, Durant, Jordan, Harden, and um, Kobe think that's it
2: right there for me and and um, and, and, yeah. and and you know what I'm sorry but this this is me Jordan and Kobe are on a different list than everybody else yeah I could see that like as 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 good as and Kevin Durant is he, he's not even human to me man no he's, he's kind
1: of like on a list by himself because he's literally seven foot one and he's a guard yeah and he has no yeah. weaknesses in his offensive package at all. Like, he does everything. He has no weakness yeah. at all. So you could even argue but, that because of his size, he's probably the greatest scorer we've ever seen from that I kind agree. of position.
2: I, I, I definitely agree. But Kobe Kobe was just an assassin. Man. Yeah. I mean, he was an assassin. Yeah. And, like, I don't, I don't know if KD had that competitor – that competitive edge to tell guys what he was going to do to them and do it. You know, like Kobe and Mike, they had that. That has a lot of pressure. No, it does. You tell somebody you're going to go for 50 on them and you go for 50. (laughs)
1: They had a certain arrogance about them that I don't think KD has. I think KD just wants to literally, as simple as this sounds, just come out and hoop. And like he's just really
2: good at hooping. And I shouldn't punish him for that. No, you shouldn't.
1: But but it was, I think Kobe and Mike have like kind of like a sociopath (laughs) type of approach to it. It's borderline (laughs) like something's mentally off with you, how they want to destroy you. And I just think it's different. I don't think KD doesn't not necessarily want to destroy his opponent. I just think it's a different approach and mentality, Mm -hmm. you know, like. I think if Kobe and Jordan could cut somebody's foot off like during the game, like literally just cut their foot off at half court, like we're going to give you this knife. Like I think they would right. literally do it. I think KD would be like, nah, I don't – I have to cut his foot off? Like we can't really do this another way? Like that's how Kobe right. and Jordan is, like to kind of put in an extreme example. But, you know, we could kind of keep going on with this. One name I did mention that kind of did it on purpose, but I give him a little bit of love was was Tracy McGrady. Um, He's kind of yeah. over my – over rated list in a lot of ways for me i didn't think he was a hall of famer but that's a different discussion for a different day so but real quick we're going to take a quick break we're going to pause and on the other side of the break it's going to be this week's edition of speak on it so stay tuned for that on the other side of the break more to come from the off the glass podcast As I stated, it's now time for our latest installment of Speak On It. This is my first time, and I'm actually going to have a guest um, come on and participate in this. And just to explain real quick, again, Speak On It is something that we it'll be basketball related, but it could also be social related. Can kind of be a topic that has a little bit more importance to kind of uh, tie back into the game of basketball. So. Um in respect to my guests, I'm gonna let my guest go ahead and take this one and then I'm gonna I'm gonna chime in after he gives his thoughts on the subject. So what do you got for us this week on Speak On It Marcus?
2: Yo, I appreciate that Z. Uh I got respect for you. Um okay. I was listening to your last podcast and your last episode, and um you mentioned about how coaches like Thibodeau are considered to be uh, an introvert, uh, not relatable, not willing to build a relationship with players, but they demand respect from these players. And not that you shouldn't demand respect from your players, but you know, me personally, my dad taught me that respect, the, respect that gets respect. Yep. You know, you heard that mm-hmm. growing up, and this is not, you know, an issue that exists you know, just at the professional level or just in sports. I feel like this is an issue that I've seen at the high school collegiate level. um, I've seen throughout society. And there are, you know, there's just some teachers, coaches, parents that are not willing to be progressive in their approach as a leader and not willing to be vulnerable or relatable. And you wonder why there's like this disconnect between players and coaches or like um, a mentor and mentees things like that and too often we take the do as i say approach instead of the do as i do yep and i just feel like the best teacher is a physical model yep you know we complain about players not respecting the game um but who showed them how to respect the game you know as a coach i'm a coach and you know my job isn't to tell kids hey go go set screens um get the ball into the post or to be the first one in the gym my job is to show them how to set a screen show them how to make a post entry pass my job is to be the first one in the gym you know so it's like you're trying to tell somebody to be a man they've never seen a man you know i can't be something that i've never seen before correct and me personally i take responsibility to practice what i preach you know that doesn't mean that i'm going to be perfect but it's, it's important that i'm consistent and as a coach i just believe that that makes it easy for athletes you know, to show respect. You
1: know what? I agree 100% with what you're saying. And I I talk about this a lot. And um, I think the problem is there's a lot about this generation that we may not like. But if you're the older generation, you're supposed to have wisdom. You're supposed to have knowledge. And the one thing, and I'm taking this from a very good friend of mine, a gentleman by the name of Dave, one of the most brilliant minds I've ever been around. And he describes mm-hmm. these kids as being omnipresent, meaning like they're all about right now. And if mm-hmm. you can't make it into a, a, a battle versus them, like if if you can't make your point where it's understood, where they can apply it right now, they're going to tune you out, especially if you mm-hmm. haven't taken the time to build a relationship. I think what's going on with guys that are our age, probably, you know, mid 30s and older is because we were the last generation to grow up without the internet, I don't think people really respect and understand the power of social media. And and what I mean is people can go look up whether you're lying or not about things. Like they can, (laughs) they come, even if it's incorrect information, kids nowadays are coming with a lot more information than the average kid came with when we was growing up. So they're going to know right. you're for real. So you can't live off that old model that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and I'm going to use a, a, a extreme example for a reason. You can't say, don't do drugs. And then they know you're in the room doing drugs. Like, it just, mm-hmm. like, like that approach is just not going to work anymore. The point I was making though, real quick is, at some point as a leader, you have to adjust your leadership style. You can't just mm-hmm. say, this is how we did it. And this is how we're going to continue to do it. You have to have a blend of your style also learning new things to ultimately reach your players and reach the people around you. And I think that is what's missing nowadays. And also I think too, we have to do a better example of modeling to our youth, what it means to respect those who came before you and why we should, and understand that you might have to explain it a little bit more than maybe when you was coming up. So I wanna thank my, my good friend, my college teammate, my roommate, Marcus Jackson for joining me on the show. Remember, go Pretty over sure. to the website at uh, www.theofftheglasspodcast.com. I'm writing a lot of blogs. You can check them out over there. They're also on, on Apple News. So if you have the Apple News app, make sure to look at that. The whole site is Spreaker.com. Go ahead and type in The Off the Glass Podcast. Become a follower, a subscriber, so you don't miss these downloads, these episodes. We're also on Apple iTunes, we're on podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Make sure to follow your boy on Twitter at Zach at The Off The Glass. Follow me on Instagram at Zach the Off the Glass Podcast. I engage all the time. If you want to support the show, the Patreon page is up and working. We already had a couple donations. I thank you guys for that. Head over to the Off the Glass podcast on the Patreon page. As I stated before, all donations will be used to promote the show. So thank you for the support. Thank you again, Marcus, for joining me. This is going to bring this show to a close. Hey, everybody be safe out there. Peace.
0: Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape.